rotates. 360 degrees. High, high, 360 degrees. High, high, 306. 306. 360 degrees. High, Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine. This show is written, produced, and recorded by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program in Hoochie, occupied Ohlone Territory, also known to colonizers as the Bay Area. Tonight's broadcast is the first show in a series focused on healing racialized trauma in the black American community. Today, you will hear an authentic conversation I recently had with Debbie Halu, program coordinator for Telling Our Stories at Healthy Black Families in Berkeley, and with Denzel Hereta Davis, CEO and founder of Create the Space in Oakland. He's also the creator of To Me, For You events. On tonight's show, we'll discuss some of the negative impacts black people undergo from living in a racialized society. The healing power of black people telling their stories in their own voices. And we'll also discuss the local Bay Area organizations that provide platforms for black people to work out some of their trauma. I'm your host, Theodora. Please stay with us. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to Full Circle. Again, I'm Theodora, your host. Before we get into the interview with my guest, I want to get started with a recent MSNBC news clip featuring Princeton University professor and MSNBC contributor Eddie Gloud. Professor Gloud talked about how we can't blame the current administration for all of our society's ills around systemic racism in America. Take a listen. America's not unique in its sins as a country. We're not unique in our evils, to be honest with you. I think where we, where we may be singular is our fu- a refusal to acknowledge them mm. and the legends and myths we tell about our inherent you know, goodness uh, to hide and cover and conceal so that we can maintain a kind of willful ignorance that protects our innocence. See, the thing is that when we, the Tea Party was happening, we used people were, we were saying pundits, oh, it's just about economic populism. <laughs> it's not about race. When people knew, people knew, social scientists were already writing that what was driving the Tea Party were anxieties about demographic shifts, that the country was changing, that they were seeing these racially ambiguous babies on on Cheerios commercials, that the country wasn't quite feeling like it was a white nation anymore. And people were screaming from the top of their lungs, yo, this is not just simply economic populism. This is the ugly underbelly of the country. See, the thing is, is this, and I'll say this, and I'll take the hit on it. There are communities that have had to bear the brunt of America confronting, white Americans confronting the danger of their innocence. And it happens every generation. So somehow we have to kind of, oh my God, is this who we are? What we know is that the country has been playing politics 
for a long time on this hatred. We know this. So it's easy for us to place it all on Donald Trump's shoulders. It's easy for us to place Pittsburgh on his shoulders. It's easy for me to place Charlottesville on his shoulders. It's easy for us to place El Paso on his shoulders. This is us. And if we're going to get past this, we can't blame it on him. He's a manifestation of the ugliness that's in us. I've had the privilege of growing up in a tradition that didn't believe in the myths and the legends because we had to bear the brunt of them. Either we're going to change, Nicole, or we're going to do this again and again, and babies are going to have to grow up without mothers and fathers, uncles and aunts, friends, while we're trying to convince white folk to finally leave behind a history that will maybe, maybe, or embrace a history that might set them free from being white. Finally. Welcome back to Full Circle. You just heard Princeton professor Eddie Gloud speaking on MSNBC News about America's ugliness. Tonight's show is the first of a series about healing racialized trauma in the black community. Professor Gloud clearly stated there's a need for healing in America. But you cannot heal what you will not face. The first Africans were kidnapped, brought to these shores, and enslaved in 1619. They were parents, husbands, wives, scientists, mathematicians, and doctors. They were human beings. It's now 2019. That's 400 years of unceasing trauma, of living in a country steeped in myths of racial superiority and inferiority, myths that America keeps perpetuating as real. We spend much of our lives fighting racism, so much so that sometimes it feels like we live in a perpetual combat zone. This first show is part of a series about healing praxis, designed by us, for us, to heal from the impacts of the dehumanizing racism we experience in this country daily. This series will also seek to attend to the often unconscious, internalized racism that black folk wield on each other. That's a topic we rarely discuss. My vision is for a resurgence of the black pride movement, but with a strong healing component this time, where we intentionally take time out to heal from the trauma of the racism we're forced to endure. Tonight's show highlights the power of getting the trauma out of our bodies and spirit, using storytelling in the West African griot tradition, telling our own stories in our own voices, using our stories as instruments for healing. Let's listen to part one of my interview on healing through storytelling with Deborah Halu, program coordinator for Healthy Black Families, and Denzel Herrera Davis, CEO and founder of Create the Space. Can we start with each of you describing the birth and the purpose of your projects. 
Shall we start with you, Debbie? Yes, we can. So Healthy Black Families is where um, telling our stories is anchored. And um, our the vision for this program and this book started in April 2016 when Dr. Vicki Alexander, who's the founder of Healthy Black Families, was sitting at a kitchen table with her sister, Roberta Alexander, which, as we all know, is where lots of things are birthed, right? Mm-hmm. And Dr. Vicki Alexander, um, she was part of a project in San Diego, California, where students and political activists had composed autobiographical narratives, and they published them. And that book that Dr. Vicky's sister in San Diego was a part of is called Reclaiming Our Stories, Narratives of Identity, Resilience, and Empowerment. And that sparked the idea of the program that I now coordinate called Telling Our Stories. And we started in um, 2017, um, sort of the tail end of 2017 is when the first writing circle came about. Dr. Vicky Alexander was born in a house of activists and she grew up in a house of activists and did research in Berkeley that led to black infant health being born as a program that counties and cities can hold to bring down the death rates of black women as they birth and black children as they're being birthed and through their first year. So survival. What I'm hearing is very reminiscent of weathering theory, which is a whole study trying to get this this term recognized by the scientific community about weathering. And it was for a long time dismissed. But through her research and PhD, she proved that the concept that life has a way of consistently through big and little t traumas, uh, weathering black women and they she proved that by doing a study of uh different segments of female population who gave birth um teens women in their 20s and women in their 30s and studied the birth rates the success rates of those births throughout those different uh, periods and the hypothesis was that people with more income uh more experience more resources uh tighter family bonds should have higher success rates um, with their birth outcomes. But the reality is it was the youngest group with the least amount of resources, the least Mm -hmm. amount of knowledge that had the highest success rates in their birth uh, outcomes. And the theory was that because women at the young age hadn't been susceptible or hadn't experienced the consistent and ongoing traumas that life has to bear as being a black female, at that age compared to your 20s and that decade of life trauma and then in your 30s and that duo decade um, has on the the effects and outcomes of birth. And that theory is called weathering. That's so interesting. We'll have to investigate that a little bit. Yeah, Yeah. and and I'm curious to see when, what the years were of of the, whether there was intersection. Um, And it's, I think it's real interesting. There's a research that I've heard of where they studied African women and their birth rates and what happens as they come here and the longer they've been here on these shores and the birth rates for that. And Mm. there was a decline. So there was higher black infant mortality. If that research doesn't cinch it in the bud, I'm not sure Mm. what more research we need. (laughs) I think we know. We do know. We know. And we don't necessarily need data. No, we don't. Yeah. To convince us. Yeah, we don't need it. We don't need it. (laughs) 
And I'm right. saying we need to deal with this. Hey, right. We're just talking. Yeah. <laughs> we got to take them out of the equation. Yes, we do. Yeah. For us, bias. We have to take them that. out of the No, leave that on the record. <laughs> <laughs> Denzel, can you describe your project? Mm, let me give it a go. I would say... I'll start by sharing a bit of an anecdote. I had a conversation just this afternoon, actually, with somebody who said, who phrased it well, uh, when they said that they love dying in the sense of giving yourself a rebirth. And Mm. I would say that was true for me uh, when I came to the realization that create the space into me for you needed to be born. I was going through a period of rebirth after a death and one that I had lived a narrative that I had lived over and over again so it became a pattern in chasing external validation seeking success by other people's measures and at the age of 33 I forced myself to stop and say okay are we going to continue to do the same old thing over and over again because you've already seen what that story looks like how do we change the narrative um And so turning inward to myself, I said that I needed to create the space to get to know myself on a truly intimate and vulnerable way, which had always been a challenge for me. How do I do that? And oh, by the way, I'm not alone. So how do I help other people do that as well? Wow. Wonderful. I'm so glad you had that rebirth. Yeah. (laughs) Me too. Please tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you actually arrive to be at this present place at this particular time in history? You talked about your death and your rebirth. Well, I'll add some more color to that. Um, I think that, and I say this repeatedly because I believe it, and I'm so true, that there are no real coincidences. No. And that everything happens by some form of design. And I'm a person that because of my upbringing, because of uh, the open-mindedness that my mother had and the the trailblazing that she did uh, to create and write her own stories and manifest her own destinies, uh, it gave me the strength and courage uh, in her example to do the same for myself. And I think that that has always been with me and getting to the point where there was inflection enough for me to call upon that upbringing and say, you know what? It may have taken me some time, but I began to realize that the truths that I were living were somebody else's truths. Mm-hmm. And that as much as I wanted to be normal, normal for me just became an excuse to be afraid to step out and do exactly what it was that I felt in my heart that I wanted to do. Okay. Um, and then that created a, a spiral of doing the things that um, didn't feed me any longer. And once I became victim to that, it was I was a victim of my circumstance. Makes sense. Debbie, what about your journey? How did you arrive at healthy black families in the first place? Um, okay, so I'll talk about that a little bit. And I also feel I need to talk about Dr. Vicki Alexander's, um, you know, background in um, birthing the organization for which I work. So for me, it's a question of survival. Right, as black people living in systems that try to erase us. And as I'm wading through that, 
I got pointed in directions that showed me that space, which is why I love the title of your <laughs> organization, um, Denzel, is create the space, because it's really a question of staking our claim and creating the space to do what we need to do, yes. right? And I just sought those, right? I would seek all black spaces that allowed us to be who we are in our fullest sense, which of course, as you said earlier in your introduction, has to do with going back and healing a lot and undoing a lot that was done to us. That's how I ended up at Healthy Black Families. Had either of you ever heard the term internalized racism before I mentioned it today? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd say I've heard of it. Uh, I haven't explored it enough to say that I, I, I fully understand it. If someone asked you to describe internalized racism, how would you respond? Ooh, um, I would say it's a mask that is forcibly baked on us as we're coming up and figuring out who we are to the point where that is what you see when you wake up in the morning in the mirror. It's that mask. And you you don't realize, oftentimes forget, that there's something else underneath. And figuring it out, figuring out that there's a mask, and then doing the hard work of taking it off is deep internal work, which, you know, takes space. Mm-hmm. Space that we have to create. For yeah. ourselves. By ourselves. Denzel, if you were asked that question, would you be able to describe it? Hey, I would take an attempt at describing it. And I would say that uh, from my perspective, I think it's when your unconscious reaction to racial stimuli, bias, what have you, becomes so transparent that it, it's almost your modus operandus. And then you start to live in a world of reaction to avoidance of those feelings uh, as opposed to leaning into the vulnerability of accepting each of your true experiences for what they are. Sounds like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Sounds like it to me. <laughs> okay. You know, um, and I ask these questions just because so many people have no idea what that is. And so I just thought I'm going to make it a habit in this series to try and see what people have heard about this topic. Do they know anything at all about it? You know, the devastating impacts from living in a very racialized society sometimes mimics a war zone. What physical and mental manifestations have you noticed in your work as they relate to lack of self-care, self-healing. Debbie, can I start with you? I mean, I think it shows up statistically, right? Black men and women are the ones that are plagued with high blood pressure, heart conditions, to always higher levels. And that is exactly what it is, right? We're forced to navigate in systems that are created to eradicate us and extract from us only. So that to me is a telltale sign of how that works. For me personally, I just want to say that um, I went through this, me and a couple of coworkers went through this training called Emotional Emancipation Circles. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have heard of them. No, I have not. They're incredible. Um, and look out for a training near you <laughs> coming up. For me, what came up in those as I was analyzing myself and how I internalized oppression is 
expectations of myself, right? Um, and my expectations of my sisters and brothers. Mm. And the way that I hold staunchly to stuff um, and leave very little room for life in general, right? And cause me to turn and look and be like, okay, so this is that paradigm, right? It's back to Audre Lorde's, can we tear down the master's house with the master's tools, right? I doubt that. <laughs> right. So trying to rework that in myself and trying to figure out, um, it was it was very interesting, right? So trying to restructure and have more space for life and be more gentle because it's hard work. It's hard work attempting to dismantle this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how would you respond to that? Mm, the physiological manifestations. I think uh, I look at that in phases, actually, because when I think about my experience through the life that I've lived, um, I look at myself as a child and how I used to respond uh, to some of the, the challenges that I had. And when I look back at it, I think about how vulnerable I used to be and how sometimes frightened um, or just visibly scared physiologically. I, I remember a situation, um, and this is just a, a small anecdote, but I had a cat and a dog, and one time my cat got outside of the house, and my dog was chasing it, what I thought was going to eat it. And <laughs> I was so scared that my whole body, I had this knee reaction, it was just trembling, and I couldn't mm. stop it, and I was barely able to talk in my nervousness. And I think about that scenario because, you know, growing up for so long, I had to try and taper and tame or change the way I showed up in my authenticity so that people couldn't visibly see what I thought was weakness. Mm, Okay. Um, And so I look back at my childhood and think about how I used to respond. And I look back as more of my adolescence and now my adulthood and how now... I'm trying to get back to that childhood vulnerability, that vulnerability that allows me to show up and be my truest self uh, and own and lean into the the hurt as opposed to what has become a pattern of turning inward until I can no longer bear it and then yes. somebody ugly comes out. Yes. Right. right? Yes. And that's how I show up. It manifests itself um, or has manifested itself through avoidance is becoming somebody you don't want to become. And so that's that's definitely what I'm trying to to address. You're listening to Full Circle here on 94.1 FM KPFA. I'm Theodora, your host for tonight's show. You just heard part one of an authentic conversation about the healing power of telling our stories in our own voices with Debbie Hailu, Program Coordinator for Healthy Black Families, and Denzel Herrera Davis, founder of Create the Space. By the way, Denzel Herrera Davis, creator of Create the Space, is hosting an upcoming To Me For You event on Thursday, August 22nd at 8 p.m. at the Spirit House Gallery located at 2217 Adeline Street in Oakland. You won't want to miss this empowering healing event. Before we go on with the show, we have a ticket giveaway. We're giving away a pair of tickets to the Star City Music Festival at Brisbane Community Park in Brisbane, California. 
The festival features music from the Stone Foxes, Dead Winter Carpenters, plus food trucks, vendors, and more. This family fun event takes place tomorrow, August 17th, from 1 to 8.30 p.m. If this is something you would like to attend, give us a call at 510-848-4425. That's 510-848-4425. Lucky Caller 5 will get these tickets. Again, the number is 510-848-4425. Now, let's hear Grio B telling a story about being black and being proud of that. Give me five on the black hand side. Yeah, on the black hand side. Give me five on the black hand side. Yeah, that's the new doubt. So tell the news that we're more than just thugs, athletes, and hood rats for the most. Innovative, underrated, complicated culture in the whole wide world. Our story proves that. We weren't just slaves, we were more than that. When Europeans weren't caves, we were more than that. Bro, we taught them how to bathe, even more than bath. Look at all the stuff we gave, the moors is back. I'm talking moors like the black kings that ruled the first place where. Hold on, man, hello, that's word to Othello. More with the who in the center. If you ever feeling lost, just remember, you is a winner. You Before the music break, you heard a conversation with Debbie Hailu, Program Coordinator for Healthy Black Families, and Denzel Herrera Davis, who sat down with me to talk about the healing power of storytelling. As I mentioned at the top of the show, my goal for this series is a focus on healing the black community from the trauma of living in a racialized society. Let's listen to part two of my interview with Debbie Halu, Program Coordinator for Healthy Black Families, and Denzel Herrera Davis, founder of Create the Space. When you said that word authenticity, it brought up a lot in me that resonated with me because that's what I want for us. I don't think we have permission to be our authentic selves. And I can only imagine what our authentic selves actually looks like. Mm. Our healthy, real, true selves. I think about this. How might telling our stories of our unfiltered, unadulterated, intimate truths, and I'm sure those words sound very familiar, mm. Denzel. Heard them of you, a couple of them. You heard a couple of them. I got that from <laughs> your website. They really resonated with me. How might that be healing, you think? Uh, it's, I, you know, studied um, medicine. I've, I was pre-med at one point. Um, I'm actually partnered with a, a doctor. And so the medical space for me is I, I'm some, one that I'm fairly familiar with. I don't claim to be a, a doctor or a physician or a clinician in any sense of the word. But um, the medical space is one that I've always been interested in. And 
also, I'm just, I'm a Capricorn for, for those who read the signs and the astrology. And I'm, I'm just a nerdy, pragmatic person. Um, and so when it comes to, you know, trying to be m- methodical and figure out things, um, that is my, my modus uh, apparandus. And trying to apply a physiological, a sociological, a psychosocial lens to uh, what we have all innate in all of us, which is the power of voice and the power to create mm-hmm. and to embody the divinity that, you know, the universe or God or the powers that be, whatever, you know, your your language choice may be, to exercise those um, to, in a form, in a sense, and in a way, to to give us that platform to rebirth ourselves or to create in the name of, of of healing and one of you know my tenets is that in order to truly heal you have to first acknowledge and acknowledge what it is that you're trying mm-hmm. to heal yes. um, and so with that comes awareness and with that awareness then you can make a conscious decision and that starts with speaking it into existence right I really like that. Debbie, what about you? Yeah, um, just piggybacking off of that last bit, I believe it says, and then there was the word or something like that. Mm. Right? Speak on it. And then there was the word. (laughs) So for me, uh, Theodora, there's healing is an act of revolution, right? Um, And I like most of the time, if there's something going on with me, Um, I like to take it back to the roots, to the way that our ancestors did it, um, to the way a lot of indigenous folks do it. And there's no separation, right? Physiology Mm -mm. and emotions, there's Mm -mm. no separation. Those are illusions. So how do we then go back to that? And for the stuff earlier that we talked about, how they manifest in our bodies, right? Um, High blood pressure and all the Mm -hmm. things that show up heart attacks for us black infant mortality pregnant black women die at a much higher rate right than anybody else in this system and so how do we then heal ourselves naturally we have to create the space right Denza? Mm-hmm. we have True. to create the space to let that stuff out mm-hmm. and words are a way of doing that mm-hmm. Dancing is a way of doing that. Drumming is a way of doing that. All the things that we indigenously do collectively, right? Where more than one is gathered. And that's how we do the kind of healing, not in a Western medical kind of a way, right? Not let it get to the point where it needs to be. <laughs> yes. And that's what this is about. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is about giving ourselves permission. Absolutely. Because I don't think we'll ever get permission to heal. We have a healthcare system, but it really isn't. It's a disease care system. Mm. Speak on it. And so we're really trying to avoid that. And I think that's the work that you all are doing, which is what attracted me to both of you to ask you to come on this show. You know, Denzel, when I was looking at the description of your To Me For You event, I told you I got really excited. And one of the things I saw you say was... The audience holds space for the storyteller. Tell us what that means. 
Yes. So to piggyback off of something that Ms. Debbie actually just said is that uh, I'm really feeding into the premise of community healing. And there's the the speaker who gets up there and overcomes the physical hurdle of getting on stage, taking the seat, controlling the mic, and then walking us through their narrative. And then there's the psychosocial aspect of it, of overcoming that fear and that burden uh, of actually sharing that vulnerability with the community around you. Mm. And then on the flip side of that, by creating the space uh, for a public forum for people who have the intention, and I always talk about intention mattering, have the intention of showing up for a complete stranger that uh, they may or may have never encountered before and listening and holding a space for them with a resonance that then compounds with everybody else who's done the same thing coming out to share and hold with the intention of helping you through a situation and that to me is you you can't quantify Mm -mm. how powerful that is yes how does it resonate with you debbie in the work that you do with the black women's writing circle that holding space huh It's an act of revolution. It's saying we stake claim, we have the right to be here and to work out our stuff the way that we need to. And every place we've ever done that, exclusively for us, have actually gotten bombed, right? Historically, Mm. in the United States of America. Mm. So that says a lot about the power of what happens when we come together and do us for us by us. So... So that's one answer, right? The other answer is to be open and vulnerable, just like you said, Denzel. Mm -hmm. To be able to have a comfortable space where people can actually let down and start working on unleashing that mask and being able to come out whole and speak from the depths of our experiences. And that takes comfort, that takes trust, yeah, and a system that tells us we should not be trusting each other because that's how it gets ahead of us. Yeah, it's a it's it's an act of revolution. And not only should we not trust each other, but we should not even trust ourselves. Right. Unfortunately. Well mm. I remember hearing you, Denzel, talk about shared vulnerability. You've said that several times, you and Debbie during the course of this conversation, there are some black psychologists that advocate the importance of within-group sanctuaries, sharing a safe space with your affinity group for sharing your vulnerabilities, building up that trust. What does that say to you, Debbie, about the work that you're doing? Do you think that there's something to that, that safe space, that space with your affinity group? So earlier, both of you mentioned that authenticity and that that's what you, Theodora, are trying to get to is that what would that look like? I honestly believe all you need to do is go back in history books (laughs) and unearth it, right? Like we are powerful, strong people and to have the space to work through that stuff and come out through our vulnerability, right, is it will be a powerful, a very powerful, um, we are who we are. And that is something they've been trying to stamp out for a really long time. So it's kind of like saying Kofa, that sounds like you're saying we already have a model. 
We just have to go back and retrieve it and bring it forward, perhaps. Absolutely. Denzel, what might you want to add to that? Well, first, let me just recognize that, Miss Debbie, you are dropping bombs I'm over here. I'm telling you. Okay. <laughs> I'm over here trying to be quiet about taking notes. <laughs> like, this is an act of revolution. Mm. Word. Yes. Um, so definitely appreciate that. Uh, I, I think, you know, to look back is to look forward. I agree. And we look at the tribality of our people, and I often have this debate well, not so much debate, but just discussion about, you know, whether even men and women just as a whole can truly see eye to eye or speak the same language in certain senses or feel or empathize the same way. Uh, because as you think about your own affinity groups, whether that be identifying as a man or male or a woman, mm -hmm. black or some other race or identity, those are all things that when you are in a safe space with your affinity group, you no longer have to put up as a wall or a defense or even have to try to explain to anybody. And so it's the nature of, it, of that group to reduce your barriers to connection. And anything outside of that is a conscious effort to try and bring down those walls. Mm -hmm. And so while it is probably possible to connect on the same way that you connect with your girlfriends to, to me, it takes a lot much more it takes much more work mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. and that affinity group as you just alluded to is intersectional mm -hmm. you know it, it changes mm -hmm. it shifts mm -hmm. depending on what affinity group you're talking about at that specific time right and so i just wondered what how that might have informed your work you mentioned allies are welcome mm -hmm. to the space the create the space the to me for you event we hear that word a lot. What is an ally in mm. your mind? Tell me what that might, what that means to you or for you. Mm. This is it's, it's a great question. It's a great question and one that I, I, I probably don't have a succinct answer or the right answer to. Not that there is one, but mm -mm. I, I do recognize that allyship is one of those things that uh, sparks some debate because. It, Generally, as an ally, you can choose when and when not to show up. Mm -hmm. And you don't have those things that are visibly uh, putting you in a category. Right. Whether they be, you know, mental illness or, or you know, scholar of your skin, what have you. <clears throat> those are things that you can choose to show up for and fight for mm -hmm. and speak for. Whereas somebody else who is a part of that demographic can't choose can't choose um, and so trying to understand who, what the archetypical definition of an ally should be is kind of difficult that's it's hard kind of yeah. yes. um, and mm -hmm. I you know I try myself because you know the older I get probably the wiser I get hopefully uh, those things are correlated uh, I tend to find myself being much more drawn to my own people much more inclusive of the ideology, all the ideologies of my own people, much more in alignment with my own people. And I'm not quite sure if that's just through my own experience in life, because it necessitates it, because we are in experiencing acts of war against our people. Um, but the ally is an is an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting one that I can't characterize exactly. It's hard to. Uh, you know, that's a conversation that happens in a lot of circles, and nobody agrees 
on what the definition actually is or what that looks like. But I think it's worth exploring. Sure. Because just being an ally is a big deal if we could figure out what that is and what that actually looks like. How about you, Debbie? Tell me, what does that, what does that word mean to you? Okay. Um, so to me, you know, I... I just want to co-sign everything Denzel just said, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I'm really not at that space. That's me, Debbie, right? I'm not at that space. Um, I feel like there's a lot of work to be done amongst us um, before we can even begin. But right now, if you're, if you're asking Debbie what an ally is, yeah, it's, just so- Debbie. it's someone who will put their life down for me. That's an ally. Okay. As I would for them. That means you've worked through one hell of a lot <laughs> of uh, stuff, yes. right? And um, yeah, that's what an ally means to me, a true ally. And if I look through history and I look at when alliances that actually mean something move an agenda forward, mm-hmm. it's when both sides actually do take it to that step. Right, which is, it means, the end goal means as much to me, right, as it does to you. And therefore, we'll, we'll both be able to put our bodies down. That's pretty powerful. That, that's one of the best definitions of ally I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, that's the bar. I, I <laughs> that's the bar. Yeah, that is a, and that's a tall bar. Yes, it is. But I think we can get there. I think we have to hold the standards really high. If our healing, it's our lives that are at stake. Absolutely. Yeah, our healing is at stake. You know, um, tell me a little bit, Debbie, about the space at Healthy Black Families for this Black Woman's Writing Circle. How's that, describe that space. So we have a conference room upstairs. It's kind of small. And it, um, I would say, houses comfortably around 10 people, um, squeezing in about 12, 13 people. Um, There were times during cohort four when a couple of us were sitting on the floor. Um, Okay. But... So there's this space, um, but you walk into our offices in general, right? And um, we try to have it be what we're about, right? There's mm-hmm. books that represent us. There's statues that represent us. And honestly, y- you can pick up off the walls the work that's being done there, okay. right? Um, and then there's dinner. I make dinner for people. Yes, we do. <laughs> Delicious dinner. Yeah, and that's, you know, part of, especially for us women who are constantly taking care of everyone around us, mm-hmm. right? There's um, there's something about, yeah, I know you've had a full day. Come, let down your hair, grab a plate and relax. And that plate of food saying, I love you. I love you, sister. And it did. <laughs> it, it most certainly yeah. did. yeah. You know, part of the question was, is the space designed exclusively to house black women's stories? And does that inform how the stories actually or the people show up? 
Yes. I mean, my the answer to the first part of your question is yes. Um, I actually put on all our flyers um, for us, by us. And to me, that's key. Um, I should hope that when folks come in, that that is what they feel and that is what allows us to get to the root work and build trust amongst ourselves. Okay. Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 KPFA. We've been listening to my conversation with Debbie Hailu of Healthy Black Families and Denzel Herrera Davis of Create the Space. We've been talking about the healing power of storyteller. Next, we wrap up our conversations by discussing empowering black women and the importance of holding spaces for having these important conversations. When I looked at the website, the Healthy Black Family website, I saw a term that talked about women. It says that when women are empowered, the community is empowered. Tell us a little bit about that. There's so much women hold. There's so much that women hold. Um, our children, our partners, um, our community. Um, we tend to be the ones the culture is primarily mm-hmm. passed down through. So it's not okay. It's not okay that so much has been put on the woman, right, in this mm-hmm. system. It's not okay, and it tears us up. Um, it tears us up. We we hold, we have heart conditions. Mm-hmm. Tears <laughs> we, us up and tears us down. Yeah. So let it be known that Healthy Black Families is moving towards and looking at and doing studies in the East Bay around how to pull in work, right, around our brothers okay. um, and that so we have three programs at Healthy Black Families Telling Our Stories is one um, T4C is another and Step Sisters Together Empowering Peers is the third one and actually that's the first one <laughs> um, and that was birthed out of Black Infant Health and all of these we want to move towards working with men around right and we don't want to do it haphazardly. We want to see who's doing great work already yes. around it. And then we don't want to reproduce and spin our wheels like hamsters, right? Um, and we want to pull in stuff that actually makes sense towards that. But women are, um, <laughs> there's a lot put on us. So, you know, when you empower one woman, she is mama, grandma, auntie church goer community feeder you know there's mm-hmm. so much that yeah. she holds and when you empower that she takes that when you empower her she she moves in those spaces in that way and disseminates that empowerment into you know her atmosphere and her work and her existence her survival mm-hmm. so we impact so many other people yes we do um, we raise the children so if we get healthy maybe they'll get healthy when I read that what does that say to you how do you feel about that statement? That women, you empower women, you empower the community. I agree wholeheartedly. And uh, I'll say that, you know, I, I, I liken it back to the idea that uh, women create life. Mm-hmm. And even when it comes to being a father, uh, 
being able to produce that seed, that life was given by a woman in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so to be a father is to be birthed by a mother. And and so just recognizing that, and I oftentimes talk about, you know, the crumbling of the patriarchy and recognizing that women, when it comes to the healing modalities um, and being in touch with their emotions with one another, are so much farther advanced on that curve than, than the men are. Um, so... Yes, I think it's absolutely imperative um, that the world supports supports its women, because the women, and it's a well known fact statistically, you can show you can study it uh, that women drive economy, they drive decisions in the home. Um, so all of these things Very are true. Yeah. All of these things are true, um, and so oftentimes the question comes to me about, well, you know, how then using my platform do I get men to to show up for women? And my pushback around that is that I'm still trying to figure out how to get men to show up for themselves. Exactly. And yes. once exactly. that happens, then they can be better for everyone around them, including the, part- the partnerships that they're in, the children that they're raising, um, and the communities that they're, they're a part of. Yes. When you and I talked the other day, I said what excited me about your program was that it validates men's feelings that they we we treat them like they're these impenetrable strong walls Mm -hmm. of they have no feelings they have no emotions and that was what i was most excited about is that here's this person providing them with a platform we know you feel we know you carry pain we don't acknowledge that enough and we don't even give you permission to do that so that's what excited me about what i saw and heard from you we don't give them that kind of platform. So it was really exciting. I wanted to ask Debbie about the possibility of having a similar writing circle for black men. Has that ever come up? Absolutely. That's one thing we're headed towards right now. Healthy black families, because our work is rooted in the intersection of health equity and social justice, and we function through a racial equity lens, right? So that's to say, we want to do some studies. We want to do some studies first to make sure that we're not reproducing. We want to put our energy into how to best move forward work that's already moving on the ground. So right now we're in the process of not just with having men's writing circles, but also around birth justice work and there's a lot of that happening now with our women and our kids and what that looks like when we work with men in our communities so we're, we're wanting to say but yes it's one of the things and i'm very excited um at the prospect of that yeah and collaboration absolutely collaboration. absolutely once we do the work then we can do some work together but we have to start you said that earlier if you don't get to it we can't really work together right. i gotta get to it i gotta go internal and then make Maybe we can communicate right. in a much better way. Can I just point out that even as I sit here and listen to you in dialogue and just the words that are flowing out of your mouth, and I think I recognize that because I actually have a note in here about Ayanla uh, Van Zandt saying, do the work. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But those words flow off of your tongue so readily. It's not, you know, it's not the case amongst men who are having conversation. They're not mm-hmm. in groups sitting here talking about, boy, you better go in there and do that work. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so usually those conversations are, are in, and I'm you know, talking in generalities, but they're, they're much higher on the surface level. Uh, when I'm checking in on you, it's, you know, how you doing? And it's, oh, I'm cool. Oh, word, you good? You need anything? No, mm-hmm. you, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm good. We good. Then we're good. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and really, you said four words to each other. And doing the work in, in that circle really takes a conscious and deliberate uh, decision to say, no, I'm actually going to scratch the surface and go deeper to understand how I'm actually feeling and how I can share that with you in a way that you can relate to me. Having two sons, I'm around men all the time. They have a hard time with that. But sometimes they allow themselves to take the mask off, even if it's just for a moment. Mm -hmm. And you get to see they really want that. They just need some encouragement and people like you, Denzel, to give them that space, create that space for them to be able to do that. So thank you. Yeah, and vulnerability being one of the premises. I could sit here and talk to both of you all day. Feel the same. I checked LinkedIn and I read these words. One day you will tell your story of how you've overcome what you're going through now and it will become a part of someone else's survival guide. Mm. I thought, wow, we're going to be talking about story this afternoon. That's not a coincidence that that was posted this morning. I'm really starting to wonder if telling the story not only heals me, but it might also heal you. And that's why we're here. And that's why you do the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You both have such a beautiful spirit. I just, it was like, wow, to have them in the same room in conversation. Right. Thank you, Teresa, for that suggestion. At the same time, and I hope we can do this another time. Yes. How can we get in contact with you? Can you tell us what you've got going? So, Debbie, you might as well start that. Okay. So, um, we have a lot going on <laughs> for Healthy Black Families work. Come to our website, healthyblackfamiliesinc.org. We have a Facebook page. We just published Volume 5. Theodora, you were on Volume 6. And Teresa. Of course, you can come into our offices to get these books. They're also available on Amazon. Our offices are located at 3356 Adeline Street, Berkeley, California, 94609. If you do Smile Amazon, then you can get these books. And you can reach me, Debbie, at telling our stories at healthyblackfamiliesinc.org, and I'll respond to all your emails. Okay, and Denzel, how do we reach you? What do you have going? Yeah, I would love to invite community out to the event that we talked about to, uh, to me for you, Stories of Self exploration from the heart and it's a public healing event and I oftentimes joke about in the in the middle of the event I'll joke and say you guys realize that this is a healing event we're around here socializing having a good time uh, keeping it real but we're actually in the process of healing right mm-hmm. now and so the event is called to me for you stories of self-exploration from the heart and it's featuring men of color and we invite you to come out to hold space to share in our vulnerability the next event is August 22nd, and it starts at 8 p.m., and it's at the Spirit House Gallery, a beautiful art gallery with great vibes. So come on out and join us. 
where we invite men of color to take center stage and as a community yes. we hold space for them to share to explore and to go through uh, the experience that they've had and whatever they can come to uh, in terms of evolution on the other side of that story and we're always looking for speakers and so people can find or sign up for the event at uh, create thespace.com forward slash to me for you and I will spell that because we have to be complicated and there's letters and numbers but it's create cr the number eight thespace.com forward slash the number two me and we'll have all this information available on our website after the show and I want to end on a a quote that I created specifically for this program and it goes like this If we don't tell our stories ourselves, others will define our truths. And that says it all. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you, Theodora. Welcome again to Full Circle here on 94.1 FM KPFA. We've been listening to my interview with Debbie Halu, Program Coordinator for Healthy Black Families, and Denzel Herrera Davis, founder of Create the Space, talking about the healing power of storytelling. Remember, Denzel Herrera Davis, creator of Create the Space, is hosting To Me, For You on August 22nd at 8 p.m. at the Spirit House Gallery, 2217 Adeline Street in Oakland. I promise it will be worth your time. Follow him on Instagram, create underscore the underscore space. We'll have a link to the event on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, after the show. We've reached the end of tonight's show. Thank you so much for listening. Please go to our website, kpfaapprentice.org, for links to my guest projects and contact information, along with other resources talked about during our conversation. Tune in next week to Full Circle for a special episode featuring Kenny C. talking about school closures in the Oakland Unified School District. Our executive producer is Miss M. Our technical director is Frank Sterling. Joy Moore is our production consultant. I've been your host, Theodora. Special thanks to producer producer of tonight's show, Teresa Adams. I couldn't do this without you. Thank you to Kenny C. on the board and Eric Datboy Media, our amazing tech assist and marketing guru. And as always, thank you for joining us tonight on Full Circle. La Onda Baita, up next. Stay tuned.